0: Hey, this is Pastor Madison. I am so excited that you're tuning in today to the Crosspoint Podcast. My prayer is that this word inspires you, uplifts you, and enlightens you. You can connect with Movement Youth on Instagram at movement underscore youth or the Point College ministry at the Point College. Let's jump to the message. What I continue to see across our nation when it comes to your generation inspires and lights fire within me. Okay, but there comes a point. Okay, how many of you were at camp two years ago I was there? Okay, like so some of you in the room kind of got my flavor. I'm just like dad. Like I always joke. Now I joke because like I'm, I'm in the shoe game and I tell kids all the time, like I'm closer to breaking a hip than being hip. Okay, but I, I got the drip on my feet. Come on, right? So it's just, right, got the drip. And, uh, and my, my 16-year-old daughter tells me all the time that I can't pull it off, and she's probably right. But I'm going to try my hardest to do so uh, because if I can walk in a room and just have 20 minutes of your time to inspire you and to encourage you that God has called you to reach and impact the entire world. okay? and I continue to see uh, what God is doing through your generation and the influence that you have that you don't even know you have. We come in a room like this. We talk about speed the light. And what you guys don't even recognize is there's people watching you from afar and they want something that you have, okay? This year, we're partnering with Malcolm Brogdon. I don't know if any of you know who that is, uh, but Malcolm's the point guard of the Boston Celtics. Uh, We talked about fine arts, discover, develop, deploy your giftings. One of the new things that we're offering at National Youth Convention this year is a three-on-three basketball tournament, okay? So you can enter, and my hope, my desire, is through our partnership and relationship with Malcolm Brogdon, we're working right now on getting Malcolm and two other NBA players to come and play the winning team of that event at National Fine Arts. So it's pretty epic what God is doing. Yep. So if you're good enough, let's see if you got your skill. You can beat me out there shooting balls, but can you beat Malcolm Brogdon, right? Probably not. No. But uh, tonight, here's the deal. I know a lot of times we grow up in churches where we attend and we see things and we hear things and we just don't know if it's true, if it's relevant. I've been there. Guys, I'm Going to be 46 this year. Uh, let me show you a picture of my family. I, th- I think we have that. So, this is my crew. Uh, the, uh, in front of me is my daughter Abby. She's 20. She'll be 21. The middle couple there, that's my son Matt and my daughter in law Taylor. They are youth and kids pastors in Missoula, Montana. Uh, next to Taylor is my youngest daughter Emma. She's 16. She drives me absolutely up a wall. Um, I was doing really good not getting any gray hair until Emma got her license, and now it's all coming out everywhere. And that's my beautiful wife, Liz. Uh, We'll be married 25 years this year. And then we also have, yeah. (laughs) Do we have the other picture up there, Pastor Ryan? Okay, the next picture. So that's Taylor. Taylor was one of my youth kids back in 2010. We picked her up every single week on a bus. uh, Broken situation, broken home. We actually took guardianship of her that year. And she's been a part of our family for 13 years. And she has blessed us with two beautiful baby girls. So not only am I dad, I'm Papa as well to those blue eyed babies that you see there. And uh, I get to see them this weekend and I hear Papa at least 100 times in one day. And I'm okay with that. Like I can rock it. It's Papa life. But I tell all of you, I tell you this because I don't deserve anything I have. I can remember sitting in a youth ministry, much like this one, growing up and hearing stories of how God could use you and people would look me in the eye and say, God could do more in your life if you would just surrender to him. And my life was a hot mess, okay? Lived a lie. I knew what to do when I showed up at church, how to pretend to be a Christian, when to raise my hands, when to jump, when to pray, what to say, all of that. And then all of a sudden, there was a point in my life to where I recognized that God really saw me. Okay? I was 19 years of age. I was attending this ministry called Master's Commission, getting my ministerial credentials, trying to grow into my Christianity. When we ended up attending this church, we drove five hours to go to a church service in New Jersey from the middle of Pennsylvania. We walk in the door, and there's a man and a woman on the center stage sitting in a chair, and they were speaking prophetic words to the room. Okay? A prophetic word is when God uses an individual to kind of give you a glimpse into your future or your present scenario to call you into what he has waiting for you. Okay, I was a skeptic at best. I grew up in a home to where my mom was spiritually loopy for we call it the dark side. Okay, witchcraft was a part of my upbringing for many, many years. My mom gave her life to Jesus, and she started reading the Bible and just taking in God's word. And I grew up in, in this surrounding, so I really didn't know where I stood with this whole thing. And I remember that night, I walk into that, that church service. There's a 1,000 people in the room, and this lady says these words from the platform. She says, God has a word for the young man in the back of the room. I'm looking around. There was young people everywhere. She said, God has a word for the young man wearing the tie in the back of the room. Guys, it was 1997. Everyone had ties on in church at that time. And then she started calling out the color of my tie and the patterns that were on it. And immediately I knew I was caught. She started, like, reading my mail to the entire room. I was devastated because I knew that the word that the Holy Spirit was speaking through her, it was true. But after she gets done doing all of that, it's shifted, and I remember these words. But you will be an example to your generation and generations to come. Okay? Fast forward 21 years later, five years ago, 2018. I step into this position as the National Speedlight Director for the Assemblies of God. The first place I traveled on a tour, much like what I'm doing this week, was in New Jersey. I remember that week, I meet with pastors on Monday, meet with pastors on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, but on Friday night, I had my first opportunity to speak to a room full of students as the National Speedlight Director. 450 kids in this crowded building, okay, they had pizza, and we were in a gymnasium much like this, and it smelled like be and pizza all at the same time. I remember like it was yesterday, okay? I remember walking into that church foyer, and on the wall, there was a picture of a of a pair of hands that I, I imagine it was Jesus's hands holding a lamb and there was blood coming out of the lamb. And I thought to myself, everyone wants to attend the church with Jesus's hands holding the bloody lamb on the wall, right? It's just, I'm a skeptic. Music starts playing. I'm in the gymnasium. I thought to myself, I should probably get in there since I'm the guest speaker tonight. And I go walking into this room and I start walking down the aisle and, and all of a sudden the Holy spirit stopped me. And I looked to my left. And I heard this voice say, "You were right here 21 years ago when I called you by name. When I read your mail to the room, and I told you that you would be an example to your generation and generations to come." I started weeping. I didn't believe it. Okay, at that time in, in 1997, there was stories of revival breaking out in this church and the oil coming out of the walls. I remember all the stories. I run up to the district director. I'm like, "Is this the church?" Is this the church, baby? And is this the church where oil was coming out of the walls? It sounds absolutely crazy to say that. And he goes, yeah, Hoffman, I think it was. He goes, go talk to the youth pastor. He was a kid in this church at the time. I go up. I'm like, dude, is this the church where oil was coming out of the walls? He's like, yeah, it was. He goes, we actually still have the same pastor here. Now that pastor is the superintendent for the assembly, the guy in the New Jersey district. It's phenomenal to see how God puts his hand on your life even when you don't deserve it. Okay, and when I look at my life, like I compare my life, when I open up God's Word, and I read about men and women, like I'm always trying to compare myself to men and women in the Bible, and I immediately have a lot in common with Moses. Okay, Moses, when he was born, we read how his mother put him in a basket because of the king's decree to kill all the Hebrew baby boys. Okay, for me, it wasn't a basket on alongside the riverbed. It was an incubator at the time. I was in NICU when I was born with a condition known as blue baby. The umbilical cord wrapped around my neck. They didn't think I was going to make it. My mom tells stories how she was praying and believing that God would have his hand on my life from the very first day I was born. Okay, but growing up, we read things about Moses that Moses stuttered. Okay, the Bible gives specifics, young people, how Moses stuttered and he wasn't really good with his words. For me, I didn't even speak in full sentences until I was five years of age. They think of that. Here I am. Like, they can't get me to shut up now, okay? But I took speech therapy all throughout my freshman year of high school. There's still certain words that I can't say, okay? So if I'm reading out the scriptures and I come to a word that I can't say, most times it's the words with the long U sound in it. I just can't let it roll off my tongue. So I'll find another version of God's scripture to speak to students because I'm so insecure about using those words still to this day, okay? Moses was a sinner, We read how Moses murdered people. I didn't murder anyone, okay? But I got kicked out of Master's Commission my second year, okay? A month after that prophetic word was spoken over my life, they asked me to leave the program, okay? Fun fact, National Speedlight Director got kicked out of Master's Commission, everyone? Yep, you're welcome. Um, But God had a plan for Moses' life, and he had a plan for my life. What I love about the scripture is when you dive into it, you read how Moses was out tending sheep one day. And while he's tending sheep, and this is something he did every single day of his life. It's what Moses did. He tended the sheep. But one day specifically, we read in God's word that Moses encountered a bush that was on fire. Exodus chapter 3, you can read of this account. He's walking. He's tending sheep. Okay, when you tend sheep, you have the uncanny ability to notice when things are out of the ordinary. You just do. It's what you do. You know when your sheep are in danger. You know when something is there that doesn't belong. And all of a sudden, Moses sees this bush, and he says to himself, what's going on? I mean, can you imagine that moment? So what are you going to do? You're going to walk up and have a conversation with the bush, right? No, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to take off running because it's just crazy when you see a bush on fire and it's not burning up. But all of a sudden, Moses hears a voice that comes out of the center of that burning bush, and Moses says, yes, Lord, I'm listening. And this conversation begins to take place between God and the burning bush and Moses to where God tells Moses that he has a plan for Moses' life to bring restoration and freedom to his people, the Israelites. And this whole time as this conversation is unfolding, Moses doesn't tell God once or twice or three times. Multiple times he tells God, send somebody else. It's not me. Okay, Moses, I'm not equipped. Find someone else. I don't know what to say. And God says, hey, just tell them these simple words. I am has sent you. You see, here in your lives, young people, hear me. There will be encounters that you have to where you don't know if anyone is listening to the words that you say or if the words that you're saying actually have power or authority when you're trying to speak on behalf of the king. But if you were simply to remember that you're being sent by I am, it changes things. Okay, for me, knowing that in 1997, God said, and you will be an example to your generation and generations to come has changed things for me because I know I'm not sent on my own accord. I'm sent by his accord. And I understand from day one, here's the deal. Okay. I'm a dreamer. Like I had the ability to look and see where God has taken us, not five years but ten to fifteen years down the road, and I get excited when I think of your generation because when God spoke to Moses through a burning bush, he was calling Moses to lead his people out of slavery, okay that same God called your generation young people, and it wasn't through a burning bush, but it was through a young lady named Kaylee Trim, August first of two thousand and eighteen. She came to the stage at National Youth Convention. And she said, God gave me a prophetic word for this room. She read this to your generation. Be prepared, change is coming. I am a God of unconventional ways, and you are a generation of unconventional anointing. I say it again, I'm coming back. Old ways no longer work, that's why I've called you. Church, listen up. An unconventional generation is going to change the world. I say this because there's no precedent to an anointing of this capacity. Chains will break in my name, and my name will spread like wildfire. My anointing will pour out like never before. And church, I'm telling you, change is coming, for him, coming soon. Youth, do not fight the plan that I have for your life, because an unconventional generation can only be reached with an unconventional anointing and outpouring of my spirit, and this is why I called you. God spoke that over your generation. So over these past five years, I've had in four years, I've had an unconventional dream to lead your generation into an anointing that you've never experienced before. When I look at my children, okay, it isn't the promised land, but the promise of a word, the promise of chains breaking and miracles happening. The bound set free that he calls you to run toward. Students and some leaders in this room tonight, you represent a demographic known as Generation Z, a label generation, a call generation, and though I desire to lead you into everything that God has for you, I understand like Moses, there comes a point to where I say, I can't do it anymore, okay? I'm getting old, even though I don't want to believe it. I'm over there shooting basketball, trying to do it from half court, and I feel like I threw my shoulder out, okay? But then all of a sudden, this thing happens to where we get to pass it on, Okay? Moses came to the point in his life that he was ready and willing to pass it on. Do you know that there's nothing that I am doing or I'm going to do that, not, that you can't do in this room tonight? I have dreamt of a time when you and my children will lead us old men again into the understanding that it's not about programs that bring people to Christ, but his presence. Okay? That it's not hype that gives us hope, but heaven. And it's not man's ability that moves the hand of God, but our availability that captures his attention. Okay, I dream of a day that your boldness will inspire our churches to defend our Savior more than we defend our political beliefs or our personal preferences. It's time that you stop listening, Generation Z, and start acting. Moses hit this stage in his life. I believe that if we could talk to Moses today and ask him what his greatest accomplishments were, okay, he wouldn't talk to you and I about the Red Sea or manna from heaven or water from a rock. He would simply tell us that he was a disciple who just made disciples. And at the end of his road, we read how he recognized one young man as the next disciple. His name was Joshua. And what I love about Joshua is this, Joshua was part of a movement of 12 individuals that were sent out by Moses to spy on an area to see if it was ready for the Israelites to walk into. Joshua, along with Caleb and 10 others, go. They spy out the land. They come back. They give the report. And here you find Joshua and Caleb looking at Moses saying, it's ready for us to take it. But then there were 10 other people who were too scared to move forward. And because of that, Moses never got to walk into the promised land, okay? He led them right up to the door. And as I was praying one day for your generation, I was thinking about that prophetic word. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, Eric, are you going to be willing to still lead this generation into what I spoke over them, even if it's 40 years of waiting? Yeah. Okay, because you know that prophetic word doesn't change When you turn 25, Gen Z, it doesn't change when you turn 45. It doesn't change when you turn 65. That prophetic word is over your generation and only your generation. It sticks with you for the rest of your life. So that unconventional anointing that God has called upon your life, it will be with you forever. And as long as I have a microphone in my hand, I'm going to speak it over your life. Okay, and the time is coming for that next generation, the Joshua's, to step up. They're different than the Moses's. Okay, we the Moses, my generation, the Gen Xers mean, we can dream a big dream. But there's something different about the leaders that are leading right now in our youth ministries. The Pastor Jocelyn's of the world. Madison, sorry, I knew that. It has been a very long pastor Madison's of the world, Pastor Ryan's of the world. Okay, the millennial generation, there's something different. They have a different swagger and a speech. And that's what happened with Joshua. Okay. Joshua Okay, got to the point to where he did things that Moses could have never done. We read of the encounter of the walls of Jericho that came tumbling down as Joshua led the Israelites around him seven days in a row. And then it said that he gave a great shout and the walls came tumbling down. Can you imagine the stutter trying to do that? Right? It just didn't work. Joshua had something different. It was the next generation of leader. Okay, and then we read things that when it was passed on to Joshua, Joshua left such a strong moment of influence in the lives of those following him that he stood at the end of his days and he said words like this As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He was able to look into the future, he was ready to hand it off. Okay, but at the end of Joshua's life, when that next generation came, into influence. We read words like this in Judges chapter two, verse ten. That after Joshua passed away, the generation after him knew not of the Lord nor of his ways. Okay. You know what? As a daddy of teenagers and young adults, man, I so want to hand this thing over to you and let you run. Okay? I just want to know that you're not gonna drop it. Okay? I want you to know how special it is that God has spoken a word over your life and that with that there comes some extreme responsibility. I will never look at a group of teenagers and talk down to you. I preach at you the same way I do your parents on Sunday morning. And Pastor Ryan will tell you, like, I'm the same guy. I've always been this way. I will never talk down to teenagers because I believe that God is calling you to lead right now where you're at, okay? But there comes a point to where you have to understand in order for you to lead, you have to know what the standard is. Okay, The standard is that thing that the world is trying to strip away from you. The standard is, was, and always will be the word of God. Okay, It's true from the beginning to the very end. Okay, But quickly, we can lose what the standard is. I close with this. A teacher of a college ethics class met with his students on their first day. The room was full of wide eyed young adults just thinking that they were going to make a difference in their world, and that's why they had signed up for this class. Mr. Johnson had a reputation for being one of the university's most desired professors. The students loved him, and signed the sign up list for his class proved it. The older professor opened his class with this challenge What is right? What is wrong? Are there any absolutes anymore? The class began to discuss this, and then the professor brought up some issues that would divide the class. After the students' discussion got heated, the professor issued their reading assignments for the week and told them that they may dismiss themselves early. As the students began to leave, the professor interrupted them once more. He said, oh, by the way, I plan to change this room's walls from white to a dark gray, almost a black color. If any of you notice the change, I'll give you an immediate A for the class. With that, the students got excited because they thought they just received an automatic A for the year. A couple weeks had passed and Professor Johnson did nothing to the room until one four-day weekend. He slipped into the classroom after all the students were gone and began his painting. Using a non-scented paint, he painted the walls a very slight shade of off-white. The color would look like the original paint unless you were comparing it right next to the original airing out the room and putting back up the artwork that was on the wall as the professor's job was finished the students came back after their long weekend and, and no one noticed the change several weeks later the students had their fall break the professor again repeated the process he painted the walls just a slight shade darker than the color that was currently on the walls the students came back and again with no fumes and the artwork on the wall looking normal no student noticed the change Christmas break soon came, and this is when the good professor took his greatest liberties. He painted a couple shades darker, knowing that the students would be gone the longest from the room and would forget what color it really looked like. He was correct. When they came back, no one said a word. After two more paintings, the end of the year finally came without any student noticing that they were now sitting in a gray-colored room. The professor exclaimed to them that they were the experiment for the year and that every single one of them had failed. He reminded them of his challenge that he was going to change the color of his room from white to gray without them noticing. It was comical as the students began to argue with the professor that nothing had changed. The room looked exactly as it did at the beginning of the year, they said. Knowing that his students would defend their grades by agreeing with one another that nothing had changed, he pulled out several pictures he had taken of them throughout in that room throughout the year. The color had definitely changed. How did you do it? One student finally asked. Well, I just changed the color one shade at a time. I could never just change the whole color of the room without you noticing, but if I started to tint the color, I knew that you would finally get used to it. Then I would just repeat the process until we had a different colored room altogether. It took a long time, but eventually this room has become entirely different. The professor closed with this thought. The things you don't pay attention to will change right in front of your eyes. If you don't know what the standard is, eventually you'll accept and believe just about anything. Man, I want to protect your generation. The standard is God's word. Okay? Like, and I know, like, National Speedlight Director, I should be coming down and throwing down Speedlight projects with you guys. But I think God is calling your generation to something different. Okay? Something that even my generation didn't lead. Something that even the generation after me did not lead. Like, we all had desire to lead it, okay, but there was just this thing called unction that we didn't have. I think maybe, just maybe, you guys have the audacity to lead what I'm about to ask you. And it's not about giving your money to missions. I believe that if you do this, the money becomes easy because you enable God to speak to you for you to go to the next level when it comes to your generosity. As I was praying back in November, And asking God, where do you want this generation to go? What's next? We've been hearing this unconventional word. Okay, God, what's the next unconventional thing that you want to do in this generation? I received a phone call from a good friend of mine, youth pastor in Minnesota. His name's Kyle Curran. Kyle says, Eric, I have a person in my church who wants to give a million dollars to Speedlight over next year. I'm like, that's awesome. He goes, I I just want to give him something in return. He goes, and I began praying and I said, and, and Kyle said to me, I'm going to challenge my students to give a million moments. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I'm going to challenge the students in my youth ministry to pray for a million seconds this year. I'm like, that's it. Immediately, the Holy Spirit hit me and said, what if this generation holds the key that will activate the generosity that we're seeing through you? I've never seen Speedlight grow in the way it's grown our nation guys okay when i started nationally speed light from all the states in the u.s 9.3 million dollars in 2018 this past year over 18 million came in okay i've never seen the generosity but now it's like all of a sudden i believe the holy spirit is speaking to your generation and he's saying to you you hold the key that will activate that generosity so we're asking students all over the nation to give a million seconds of prayer this year. In your mind, all of a sudden, many of you are like, man, that's crazy, that's a lot of time. Well, when you break it down, it breaks down to 45 minutes a day, okay? If you set your cell phone to the top of the hour to go off nine times a day, and you give them five minutes at the top of the hour, that's 45 minutes a day. Like, it really is that simple. And then I think, What does it look like if we have students in Iowa and students in Arkansas and students in Minnesota and students in Oregon and students in Pennsylvania and students in Florida and students in Texas? And you're all praying over the same thing at the same time. For instance, you'll see behind me, we're calling it the My Million Moments Matter. If you go to Instagram and you click on and you like the My Million Moments Matter app just got to find it. Just so I'm, I'm old. Give me a second. Okay. So today, you click on there, and it comes up prayer topic community. All across our nation today, we have students praying for their communities. And you click on it, and it says local businesses, other churches. Um, sorry, it went away. And it gives you the topics that, that you're supposed to pray for. And every single day, there's a different topic with different topics within it that we're asking students to get behind and make your million moments count. And can you imagine all of a sudden what will happen if we have a generation, an unconventional generation of students with an unconventional anointing and outpouring, that there's no precedent to an anointing of this capacity, praying and leading in such a way that they believe that the words that they speak could happen in the name of Jesus all across this nation. And it's as simple as giving him a million moments so that's how I close this evening I close by asking you would you commit would you commit to giving a million seconds of prayer this year Okay, 45 minutes a day 9 5 minute windows a day however you want to do it it's up to you but the first ask would be would you commit to giving a million moments that matter in 2023 if that's you would you stand to your feet right now? Mass, awesome. we got a lot of kids standing up. So why don't we put it into practice right now? Can we do that? Today's prayer focus is community. I want to ask you, would you take the next, and you can scatter around this room. You can get some space on your own. I want to ask, would you take the next five minutes? Let's practice this. Let's see how easy it is for us to give five minutes and begin to pray. Okay. Some of you are like, man, I've never done this before. It's okay. It's just talking. You're all good at talking, right? Most of you. Okay. Have that conversation with God. Okay. I'll start it. And then I want you guys just to continue on on your own. Pray for your community. Pray for other churches in this community. Pray for unity in the community. Pray for your campuses in this community. Pray for the, you fill in the blank. Father, we thank you and we give you praise. God, I thank you for the opportunity that you've given me to speak to yet another group of students. And God, I pray. God, I understand in my heart, God, that you have called me to lead an unconventional generation to dream in such a way to where I could pass it on to the next who has unconventional speech, God, this young generation of leaders across our nation that are doing youth ministries. Father, I pray that the articulation and communication that they have when it comes to these young people, God, will not only be heard, but acted upon. God, and I pray for this generation, the next generation, Generation Z, God, that they would lead an unconventional action. And I believe that action is prayer. God, it's not given our money. God, even though that's important, God, it is the prayer that we hold that will activate the generosity. God, it's the million moments that we have that matter. God, I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit that you just awaken a generation like never before. Come on, young people, just begin to pray. Give five minutes right now. Come on, speak your voices out loud. Pray for your community. Come on, pray for the churches. Pray for this church. Pray for your pastors. Pray for your teachers. Come on, just start practicing it. Come on, use your voices. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And keep going about a minute and a half. Come on, you're giving him five minutes. Just five, five minutes at a time. You can do this. Thank you. Come on, about a minute. 30 seconds. going to worship together. Here's what I'd like you to do tonight as I close. Get on Insta, Facebook, like that app. Share your million moment stories every single day. You won't be alone. We continue to add to these numbers. Okay. When this started two weeks ago, we had three followers. We're at almost 400 already. Okay. I believe that a fire is igniting across our nation and it's not through generosity, but it's through prayer believe that when that prophetic word was spoken over your generation that is through your hands and it's through your words that we will see miracles happen in our churches again okay I'm sick and tired of singing songs about the miracles of Moses and how God moved in Mary's life I want my kids saying I'm, I'm calling on the God of Eric okay like what are we willing what are you willing to do what are you willing to do now that will allow your children to look at you and your example that you're leading right now, okay? To know that God can move and he can respond to your petitions and your prayers, that you have the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to lay hands on the sick and they be healed, to walk down your high school campuses and speak the name of Jesus and students who have been bound can be set free, okay? That's the power and the authority that God is calling you to work work in and through. Okay? I believe in you. Okay. We're passing it on. And eventually you'll get to pass it on. But it starts with prayer. Amen. Let's worship together tonight. enjoyed today's message i would encourage you to like it or share it on social media movement youth for 6th through 12th graders meets on wednesday nights and the point college ministry meets on sunday nights we would love to have you join us thanks for tuning in